This is kind of a two-parter in the midst of the series about the parables of Jesus, the true fiction, these fictitious stories that by their nature have truths, have information that is true. It's principles coming from God and it's principles that are applicable to our lives. And so we've been calling it true fiction. We're going to switch out of this here in a couple of weeks and, and do a brief series on generous, generous hearts, which is part of our core values. And then we'll come back in the fall leading up to Christmas. We'll continue to look at Jesus's parables. Last week, we looked at how the father was so gracious The son had disappeared, he had taken his inheritance, he had gone, he had squandered it by his own confession, he came back, and the father was so grateful that he stepped in multiple number of ways. We looked at it exhaustively last week, um, and we came to that conclusion of just about how loving and how caring the father is. This week, it's actually the fourth parable. There's the one of the sheep, the lost sheep, then there's one of the lost coin, then there's the one of the lost first son, the prodigal son, commonly referred to. And now there's this one, the older son, who is also lost, even though he never left, which is kind of sad in and of itself. I'll just acknowledge that. We're going to try to stay positive with this because we've been focusing on the love of the father. But it's sad to realize This son had been there the entire time and just failed to to recognize who his dad was and how his dad loved and how his dad cared. And of course, that's in Jesus' story, but it it is true in real life. As you begin looking at this part of the story, it begins in verse 25, you realize he missed it. This is a picture of how God loves, and in the story, the son misses it, But sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we can be right here. We can be in church. We can be involved in religious activities. We can be seeking and and desiring spirituality. And we're right there. And we just miss. We just fail to recognize who we're with and what's taking place and what's happening around us. And so in one sense, this part becomes a bit of a comparison, a bit of a contrast. You have those who are aware of the Father's grace and they're deep into the activities of the Father's grace and you have this son who is outside of it and in a sense you have insiders and outsiders, you have believers and unbelievers who, who just doesn't get it. And that failure to recognize misses the love and the intimacy and the grace and the forgiveness and the hope and everything that comes with understanding who the Father is, understanding who God is, and having that relationship. I was reminded of a failure to recognize in my own life just prior to the service. We don't always call out church members. Um, That's not totally true. Um, But for the most part, we try not to do it. Um, But one of my dear and precious friends is back with us in the house. She's been online with us for months because of some health issues. She's back in the house for the first time today. Dorothy, we're so glad you're back and glad she's here. As she came in... As she came in and we spoke and she gave me a hug and her husband Peter's there and she looks up and she goes, oh, you look so much better in person than online. Well, earlier this year in the spring, I was at the jewelry store and I was picking up a birthday present for Carrie, my wife, and as I was checking out, I was having them wrap the present because 
I'm just challenged in that area. It just doesn't work well for me. I am, I am so thankful for whoever invented gift bags. Um, it gets you past all the, all the stress of needing to wrap a present. And so I'm just standing there waiting to, to get this present wrapped. And um, this older couple walks in, and, um, and I thought they looked kind of familiar, and I'm thinking about it, and, but I didn't immediately recognize them. And, and I started talking to them, and that happens with me a lot, and lots of strangers in lots of strange places. And, and um, it was their anniversary. And he had, for all 70 years of their marriage, bought her a ring on the 10th increments. So she was in there to get her seventh ring. Sounds like a, you know, Toy Story or somebody's story or fiction. She's getting the seventh ring. And, um, and we're talking about it and, and, and we're just kind of visiting. I'm standing there waiting for, for it to get wrapped up and stuff and, and just trying to congratulate them about their anniversary and about all that was taking place. And I kept thinking, gosh, they look familiar. But I mean, I know lots of people around town and stuff. And, and so I just kind of blew it off. And I finally got done with my transaction. I'm getting ready to walk out of the store when um, she looks over her husband. And I, I don't mean this to characterize a particular age group, but they were louder than anybody else in the store because they were trying to hear one another. Um, and she looks over her husband and she goes, that guy looks just like our minister. <laughs> and I'm just kind of cringing. I mean, I'm almost to the door. And I'm like, okay, they did look familiar. So I come back in and I start talking to him and I visit with him. And I said, I heard you say that. I said, I think I am your pastor. And I said, you go to First Baptist Church in Tomball? Yeah, so I go to, yeah. And then, and then we kind of reacquainted and, and made all that right. And it was really good. And I was really happy and everything. And then Dorothy, so that you know you're not the only one, I turned to walk out of the store again and she looks up and now all the clerks, everybody in the store is looking at us. And she goes, He's a lot better looking in person than he is on the TV. <laughs> it was one of those days I came back to the office thinking, is this live stream stuff really working or not? <laughs> but we're glad. We're glad you're on live stream. We're glad you're online. I asked you earlier um, when I was hosting to turn in prayer requests if you have anything so we can be praying for you. But sometimes we're right there and we don't quite get it. It's like things are happening all around us and things may look familiar. They, they, there's this kind of deja vu moment, but we're, we're just, it's not clear to us. And that's what happens with this son. He was with the father all this time, but never quite got it. Never quite recognized. Not just that the father was there, but who the father was and what his character was like. It starts in verse 25 where we're looking at it. And we have what I'm calling a festivity of grace. We left off and, and the father has declared, prepare all the food, prepare a banquet. This son of mine, and he makes the declaration of this son and clarifies who he is. And this son of mine who was lost has, has been found, who was dead and is alive. And the whole household is beginning to celebrate and, and party in this moment. But outside the house, in verse 25, we find the older son who was in the field. As he came near the house, Jesus says in his story, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what this meant. The servant responds, your brother is here. 
and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now here's the contrast. Everybody's inside celebrating the return of the son. The elder son, for whatever reason, he's outside. Maybe he worked late. Maybe there was an issue that happens in agriculture all the time. Maybe that was taking place. But nonetheless, he, he's missing the festivity of the grace. He hasn't seen this moment of reconciliation. He hasn't seen this moment of forgiveness. He hasn't seen this moment of love. He's, he's just missing. But yet he's close enough that he should have been aware and this, this burdens my heart because over the years I've seen this repeatedly. I, I can share with you testimonies of leaders of churches, pastors of churches that were going through the functions and going through the activities and performing their duties but never quite understood the personal, intimate relationship that God wants to have. They're just missing it. And we, we have all of our celebration, we have our dinners, and we have our worship. And in a sense, we have our version of all this music and dancing and festivity taking place. But there are people who just miss it. They're just unaware. They don't necessarily get it. And I don't mean this in a condemning statement at all. I mean, I'm, I'm a product of having never been a part of church. Not because I didn't have the opportunity. People invited me. I had those moments. After I became a Christian, I had a Bible that my grandparents had given me when I was in third grade because one summer they made me go to church with them once. I don't remember the church, but I had the Bible, which was good because after I met Jesus, I really wanted to read the Bible and figure out what I had just done and um, why I felt so good and I'd never felt this good before. We have to be careful, I think. We have to be careful that our festivity, which attracts people and oftentimes raises people's awareness or their attention, doesn't isolate them. And as individuals, we need to be careful that we're not the ones isolating ourselves. Like I said, Jesus, you know, this, because this isn't a historical story, we don't have all, any, all the details fit in. We don't know why he's out. Maybe he's just working late. Maybe, like I said, maybe there's some crisis. But he's missing the celebration. He's missing the party. He knows what's happening. But he's not involved. There's a sense in which in this story, there's not just the festivity of grace. That's the activity that's happening. But there's a proximity of grace. You can be so close to the Father's love. We can be so close to what God wants to do in our life. We can be so close to a major work and movement that he wants to do and accomplish and just miss it. In verse 28, the son, who's not happy about what his brother did, who's not happy, quite honestly, about what his father is doing, responds, I guess, to the poor servant, but it tells us then he became angry and didn't want to go in, and here's the father again. Now remember how the father waited and watched, in a sense pursued the prodigal son, this son who had gone off and squandered and wasted everything. The father, all he wanted was that son back. Here's the father who now comes out and pleads with him. It makes me wonder sometimes, if in the middle of our activities, our festivities, our celebrations, 
if sometimes God just kind of leaves us behind and goes somewhere else because he's always looking for the one who's missing the party. I'm thankful because of my background. I'm grateful because while I had had very limited proximity to things of God, he pursued me. He pursued me through good friends who helped me understand his love, who helped me understand my sin and what needed to be done and how it was dealt with and how Jesus died on the cross. They, they helped me grasp all that so that I could make a simple decision to be inside instead of outside, to be a believer instead of an unbeliever and trust in Jesus and know Jesus. I don't want to be in the proximity of grace. I want to be in the middle of grace. And God leaves and brings his proximity to the lost. The son's angry, he's not going inside, and the father comes looking for him. He comes wanting him to understand. And literally the word they're pleading, it gives that image of just constant appeal. Please, I mean, you can imagine it. You can feel it if you're a parent. You may have experienced it if you're a child. Please just come. I think it's a natural instinct of human fathers and mothers, of course, to want to be with their children. In almost all cases, there's always exceptions to everything. There is a desire. You, you've heard it. Your parents ask you to come home. Your parents ask you to visit. They want to be with you. Our heavenly father created us in his image I don't know why it's such a surprise to some church people that he acts sometimes the same way we do because in reality, we're acting like he does. Our Heavenly Father is no different. He wants to be with his children. He wants to be with his creation. The whole death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is his opening a pathway so that we can be with him. Yes, he's majesty and yes, he's glorious. But he never takes his majesty and glory and usurps his intimacy. He wants to love us. He pleads with us. He stands at, as that passage in Revelation 3 we mentioned last week. He stands at that door and knocks and asks and wants to be invited in. And if we open the door and if we respond, he'll come in and he'll sit down with us and he'll enjoy the meal with us. The proximity of grace isn't enough. Being in the atmosphere of grace isn't enough. It's a better place. It's better to be in the festivity, in the party, than outside, angry and upset. But God wants us in his embrace. So the father pleads. And the son vents. He says everything that he's been upset about for months. We don't have a timeline in Jesus' story. It could have even been years. Look, I've been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never gave me a goat so that I would celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, when he comes back, you slaughtered the fatting calf for him. The problem with the proximity of grace is we don't see the Father's heart. And so we begin to tally up what we think we've missed when in reality we didn't miss it. 
I mean, let me just ask candidly. Don't raise your hands. Does church feel this way sometimes? I've been volunteering for many years. I have never disobeyed the commandments. But you never threw a party for me. When, when does the festivity of grace and the proximity of grace become a burden? Because we don't understand grace. Oh yeah, there's discipline and there, there is that part of who we are. Absolutely all the time. But sometimes we just begin to feel maybe a little unappreciated, unhappy. And yet... We're right there. We're just, we're just not totally making the recognition. It's like, it's, like, it's like spirituality now. Church becomes this deja vu moment when it seems familiar or maybe it seems too familiar because I've been doing the same routines over and over again and I'm just failing to understand how deeply the Father loves me. How deeply God wants my heart. And God knows when he's got our heart, he's got the rest of this. He's got the service. He's got the obedience. He's got the discipline. But what he truly wants is our heart. He wants to know us and be with us. Being close to grace isn't the same as being in grace. The most encouraging part to me in this passage is the same as the other son that availability of grace. The father's response is simple. Son, you are always here with me and everything I have is yours. Nothing changed. You've always been here. You've always been loved. The truth is all of my resources were always available for you. You could have had a goat You could have partied with your friends. You could have brought them over. You could have had a sleepover. You could have had a game night. You could have come and watched movies. You could have come and streamed on my TV. You could have, you've always been here and I've always been here. It's always been available. What the father is subtly saying here is you're missing it, not because I denied it from you, but simply because you're missing it. Open your eyes. Be willing to go in where the music and dancing is taking place. Open your eyes and hear my voice pleading. Know me and be with me. I think sometimes the hardest decision to become a follower of Christ is for the person who's actually basically good. A lot of us, we didn't have that issue. There was no doubt in my mind when I trusted in Christ that I needed forgiveness. That was, that was an extremely settled issue. But sometimes you have been good all your life. Sometimes you haven't made major mistakes. Sometimes everything's worked out. Sometimes you've got the four-year diamond pin at your company and you've always been good and faithful and you've got the pension. And sometimes you've, you've, you've done everything. You've checked every box off. You've attended every activity. You've faithfully gave to the church. But have you experienced and known the love of the Father? Because His grace is available in our lives and in our hearts. This moment, it's it's not just an activity on the calendar. It's a moment 
to reconnect, to step into the availability, to believe and to trust. The father goes on to say, and we had to celebrate. We had to rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. The sad part is when we contrast it, this son, who the father is talking to in this moment, is just as lost. And he's just as dead. He just never left home. To have been there the whole time and never known the love of the father. Both sons made the same decision. The consequences are different and the physical environment is different, but the hearts are the same. And what's it going to take for this son? Because Jesus ends his story here. We don't know the conclusion. For this son to say, look, you're right. You know, I've been living here the whole time as a son, but I've been acting like an employee. That's what the other son wanted. The other son was hungry. He was destitute. He said, okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna apologize to my dad. I'm gonna ask him to forgive me, but I'm not gonna ask to be a son. I'm just gonna ask to be an employee. If he'll just hire me and give me a good salary, I'll be happy. This son has the good salary, but he's failing to come back, at least at this point in the story. I like to fill in the end myself. I can't do that. I can't add to scripture. But in my heart, I want to believe this son looked at his dad and for the first time saw the light in his dad's eye and recognized and said, Dad, I know. I may have always been here, but I didn't know you. And now, now I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want you to be in my life. Our faith is about so much more than our activity. And it all resides inside of us. Do we know him? Is he our best friend? That's what he desires. Ironically, Jesus told the disciples on another afternoon, I don't know if it's before or after this, we don't know the timeline that clearly. He told the disciples that day, look, you know what? I'm not gonna call you servants anymore. I'm not gonna focus just on what you do. I'm gonna call you friends. I want all of us to leave today knowing that we're friends with God. And it's great that friends serve, but the motivation's completely, absolutely different. God wants us to be that close. We're going to worship and and close out in a minute. I just want us to take a moment to pray and maybe we'll just do that silently for just a moment. And just simply let God know. I want to know you. I want to be with you. Ask him to do a new work, a new activity in our lives. Make it new. Jesus says in Revelation that we should return to our first love. And 
I was visiting with a friend prior to the service and we were talking about how sometimes we just need to pause. And we just need to let God know, God, I, I want this fresh. Many of us now, we've known him for a long time. Are we excited about seeing him this afternoon, tomorrow? You can be honest with God. Tell him exactly how you feel and exactly what you're thinking. He wants to be a part of our lives. Father, I know in my faith, I struggle at times because my relationship has also become my career and my vocation and my energy and strength. But I don't ever want to forget that it started with your love and it will end with your love. Whether that's in my deathbed or it's when you return. What is ahead for me is living in your house forever. I love you. I want to know you in a new and a fresh way. I don't want to hear the party. I want to beat the party. I don't want to question the activities of celebration. I want to be immersed in it. And I don't want to simply know that your love is available. I want to be in it and experiencing it. For loving us this much. Thank you for caring this much. I yield my heart to you again. And I'm going to do it again tomorrow and next because there's nothing better than knowing you. And knowing that your grace is not a story of the Bible. It's not an expression of the church. It is a reality in which I can live with your grace.